like a lamb to the slaughter You led me to this place you Took away everything I brought here You left me to my fate I Saw the eyes of a stranger I Saw the glint of a blade But I didn't see the danger Till it was too late We present the second episode of Cutting Edge, a three-part serial by John Harvey, with Tom Georgeson as Nottingham-based, jazz-loving, Detective Inspector Charlie Resnick. We're all dying, Charlie. Dead or dying. In episode one, a doctor and a nurse had been viciously attacked by a scalpel-wielding assailant. Doctor, he comes in off the street into the gent, stands here doing the necessary, and then. Yeah, a bit narrow, Graham. Difficult for someone to sneak up behind him. Next, Doctor, he had had a few pints, said none too clear, maybe didn't notice. Ah, or whoever it was attacked him was in one of these cubicles. Waiting in there for him, you mean? Right. Deliberate then, not a chance attack. Well, those injuries, a lot of force, anger. Doesn't sound like chance to me. And the fact that he was working on the same ward as Fletcher. More chance? Coincidence? A tidy minded say no. There has to be a connection. But murder, you know, Graham, well as I, it's really what you call tidy. Well, we'll check it out all the same. There's no sign of a weapon. Not as yet. Mm. Of course. If it was someone waiting for him back here, someone who knew Doherty well, that opens up another lot of possibilities, doesn't it? Well, this quarrel, you mean? Well, it has been known. Attacks all kinds. Well, I've personally had off for something a bit more romantic. Think we can get outside, leave this to scene of crime? Stinks fair getting up my nose. You get back to the station, Graham. Set things moving. I'll contact Lynn and see about informing Doherty's next of kin. Is there somewhere, Mr. Doherty, where we could sit down? Oh, what is it? You must tell me what it is. It's about your son, Mr. Doherty. Carl? Well, something's happened to Carl? He's been arrested? But what on earth's happened? I think if we could just go and sit down. I don't want to sit down. Mr. Doherty... I'm afraid earlier this evening your son was attacked. He's been taken to the hospital. Carl? You know, it would be better if we all sat down. Then we can explain. Would you like us to arrange transport to the hospital, Mr. Doherty? Well, my wife is asleep. Not for both of you. You'll want to see Carl, talk to the doctors. My wife can't go. Yeah, but she is here. Well, I've told you she's upstairs sleeping. She doesn't sleep well. And I don't like to wake her. Mr. Doherty. She mustn't know. She can't. Oh, she'll have to be told, Mr. Doherty. No. Would you like me to speak to her for you? I've told you, she can't know. Can't know what, William? Oh, whatever is it? Who are these people? I woke and you weren't there. I was worried you're always there. That was 
when I heard voices. Your voice, William, and, and someone else's. I, I thought it was Carl, you know, paying us one of his little visits. A, a surprise. What visits? You know his little visits. He doesn't make visits. One year's end to the next, he scarcely comes near us. He does, William. Oh, he does. I don't know why you say that. You know as well as I do. Oh, William, you forget. You do. You forget. It's his age, you know. Getting on. William's memory, it's... It's not what it used to be. For God's sake, woman! What? He's dead! Not Mr. Doherty, that's not... Carl, your precious Carl, he's dead! No, that's not true. Mr. Doherty, perhaps you didn't quite understand, but that's not what I said. Carl's still alive. There you are, you see. There you are, William. What did I tell you? There's been a mistake. Right, dip back. Carl Doherty's bedside. I want you there the minute he wakes. Oh, not again, Sarge. I only just finished babysitting that other bloke. It's your bedside manner, dip back too much of a natural. Mm. Hey, Kevin, you get in there with him. <laughs> Lynn, you'd best go too. We need to find out who Doherty was working with on his last shift yesterday, anyone he might have talked to, given any idea where he was going, who he might have been meeting, close friends, habits, you know the kind of thing. Yes, Sarge. Right. Meantime, we'll get pictures circulating, clubs and pubs in the city centre, cab companies, so on. Still no luck with the weapon? Nothing so far. Just had one of the uh, doctors from the hospital on the phone. Cagey, of course, but as far as he's concerned, it seems the majority of Carl Doherty's injuries could have been inflicted with a scalpel. Our friend in the Balaclava, given the government down, shutting down here in HS. Either that or a copycat, but like you said, it's difficult not to think there's a connection with what happened to Fletcher. Tell you what, let's have those interviews looked at again, the ones from the first attack. See if there's something we could be missing. Right. Alvin! Calvin! What? You're going to let us burn the book! You usually manage that well enough on your own. Damn. One egg or two? One. Two eggs. Three. I wish you wouldn't do that. I only wish you knew how much I hate it when you do that. What, cook you a good breakfast? Ask me what I want and then totally ignore what I've said. Here, bacon, sausage, egg, fried bread. Eggs. There's plenty out there sleeping around for you, It'd know. give their eye teeth to sit down in the warm to something like this. I know, I know, I should do. You tell me often enough. Well, eat. <sighs> Don't let it get cold. <sighs> You know, the colleges have started back. So? Well, I thought you were going to get yourself enrolled. I am. Uh-huh. When? Not this year, obviously. When, then? I told you, I don't know. Well, it's your life. Exactly. It's my life. Look, all I'm trying to do is to give you some advice. Yeah, every morning the same thing. Because I can go on and on and still you don't do anything about it. And maybe you're the one who should learn something, like trying to keep your mouth shut instead. That's nice, isn't it? If I'd spoke to my father like that... Yeah, I felt the back of his hand across your face. Too right! You know, all that good advice they gave you, your old man and your sainted mum, 
It's a wonder you managed to make such a bollocking of your life. Oh, aye. Well, just you wait, you clever bastard. See what a go of you make out. <laughs> me? Oh, yeah. Me. You can see me. Got it well sussed. No mistake. And here's Pamela Lawson with the news. John Moore the male nurse is ah. fighting for his life this morning oh, after a vicious and seemingly unprovoked attack in the city centre late last night. Carl Doherty, age 31, is understood to have received multiple stab wounds and is in intensive care. Where are you going now? You've left half of it on your plate. So next time, listen to me when I tell you how much I want, right? ...in charge of the investigation, but make no comment confirming or denying any possible link between this attack and that on another member of the hospital staff recently. The victim's And this was, when did you say, Sarah? About nine o'clock? Well, it could have been earlier. But, well, not by much. Quarter, 22. And Carl was off into town for a drink at this place, Manhattan's? Yeah. He asked me if I wouldn't go with him, but... You didn't fancy it yourself? No. No, not really. Well, you know what those places can be like. Bit of a meat market sometimes. <laughs> Besides, it's not as if we really mix much outside work, Carl and me. Different friends, you know how it is. But you got on okay? With Carl? <laughs> It'd be difficult not to, he's that easygoing. He always stop, you know, and chat, make some kind of joke. And he's good at his job, too. He's good to be with on the ward. He's got a lot of respect, Carl, a lot of respect. Not a lot of enemies, then. I mean, you've no idea who might want to do this to him. None. None at all. Oh, it's horrible, just to think about it. Uh, yes, Mr. Salt. It is true, we did have someone in for questioning. A medical student. Ian Carew? He'd been involved with Karen Adams. That's the young woman Fletcher was seeing before Fletcher and... Uh, and you thought the green-eyed monster might have goaded him into wreaking revenge? Something like that. More the other way round, isn't it, Inspector? Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Isn't that the thing? Well, I imagine it can work both ways, Mr. Salt. Of course, you'll be the man to know. I would. Petty jealousy, betrayals, violence, murder. The stuff of life, surely, were your concern. <laughs> We've got our share. <laughs> Steeped in blood. No more than you. Less, I should have thought. Indeed. Some days, elbow deep. But it washes off, Inspector, don't you find? At the end of the day, it washes away. Wow. I'm not so sure. Ah, a mistake, that. Fatal. Taking the job home with you. Especially work like yours and mine. Matters of life and death. Leave them at the door. Maybe. You're married, Inspector? No. Not anymore. Me neither. In fact, my decree absolute came through just last week. Makes a man feel wonderful. Somehow strong. Possessed of all that freedom again. Telling her I wanted a divorce, best thing I ever did. Uh, Carl Doherty. Yes, Inspector? I, I want to confirm what you were saying about the nature of his injuries compared to those sustained by Tim Fletcher. Now, the weapon used was similar. A scalpel, most likely. But the injuries themselves... In some respects, quite different. In young Fletcher's case, whereas some of the scalpel blows seem to be quite random, those to the face, for instance, and the hands... The manner in which the muscles of the thigh were severed suggested both skill and purpose. With Doherty, all the signs are of something much more frenzied. The attack was carried out in a public place. And whoever did it must have been aware of the possibility of someone walking in at any minute. What you say sounds plausible, but it's not for me to conjecture. 
But I saw Carl Doherty's wounds, Inspector, and if you want my opinion, whoever did this was fiercely angry, in some kind of wild fury. Hmm. Like a woman scorned. Sorry? Uh, nothing, nothing. Um, Carl, he's still hanging on. Barely. If he gets through the next 48 hours, he might have a chance. Well, let's hope he makes it. And thank you for your help. Goodbye. Yes? It's Sister Minton, Mr Salt. She wants to know when you can fit her in. I can't. It's the third time she's called. And still out of luck. If there's a fourth, please inform the sister that the only occasion on which I anticipate seeing her in the immediate future is in theatre. Yes, Mr Salt. When at least she'll be safely behind a mask. C'è una mappa con la cosa di vedere. C'è una mappa con la cosa di... Sorry, sorry, I didn't know you were here. Oh. It sounds better with my eyes closed. <laughs> sounded pretty impressive to me, and I have mine open. Well, even if it sounded like La Traviata, I'm afraid I wouldn't understand much of it. Not yet, anyway. I don't know if you remember me. DC Lynn Kellogg. Ah, I wasn't in that much of a trance. I was talking to Sarah Leonard. She said you might appreciate a little company. Now, from all these flowers, it doesn't look as though you've been exactly ignored. The thing you have to realise about hospitals, people send flowers instead of visiting. Not as well as. <laughs> Helps them to feel less guilty. And your friend Karen? Ah, uh, roses. Roses all the way. I'm sorry. But perhaps she's busy, you know, studying. And perhaps she's gone back to somebody more able-bodied. Oh, don't say that. Oh, I think I was a rarity. <laughs> Intellectual, I think that's how she saw me. Some kind of white-coated, opera-loving exotic. No, I think Karen liked her men strong and athletic. Like Ian Carew, you mean? Oh, you've met him then. Yeah, God's gift. And not only to women, medicine too. The kind who sees himself as a cardiothoracic consultant with a brace of BMWs and a harem of adoring women. <laughs> Is that what successful consultants go in for? BMWs. Harems. Well, it's been known, one way or another. Stress of the job. Isn't that what all these MPs say when they're caught with their pants down? Police officers too. We've probably got a lot in common. Probably. I wanted to ask you about Carl Doherty. You see, I was right. That's one thing right off. We almost never stop working. How well did you know him? Uh, hardly at all, really. But I thought you were on the same ward. Some of the time, yes, but the way it works, my attachment is to a consultant, uh, Mr Salt, as it happens. And although the bulk of his patients are likely to be in the same couple of wards, the others, especially with the bed situation the way it is, well, they could be anywhere. And you didn't know him socially? No, not at all. OK, well, I'd better be getting on. I hope you see something of Karen. If you want to, that is. Thanks. Come by again. I'll try. Mr Doherty? Yes? I thought so. I saw you up by intensive care. It's good to get out. Enjoy a bit of fresh air. You're a doctor? No, no. Police. Huh. Detective Constable Patel. I'm waiting to talk to Carl about what happened. He's not able to speak? No, no. He was conscious for a little while, they said, after they brought him in, but now... He'll be all right. He'll pull through. You'll see. You think so? Yes, I do. 
because I could never explain it to her. Not adequately. She'd never understand. His mother? You understand. She hasn't been to see him? Pauline? Oh, no. I shouldn't want her to. Too much of an upset. All that machinery all around the bed. All of those tubes. Why don't we go and get a cup of tea, eh? In the canteen. Carl, he got his degree in English. All that Shakespeare, poetry and plays and that. Fat lot of good that's gonna do you. I told him, you'll not make a living from the likes of that. And he didn't, of course. With one of his mates, he took off round the world. Australia, Kathmandu. Well, next thing we knew, when he come back, he decided to become a nurse. And you were pleased? I, I mean, how did you feel? Oh, I didn't care. It was up to him. He wasn't as if he was a kid anymore. But Pauline... Well, I remember the day he came round and told us. She was in the kitchen, chopping oranges for marmalade. She always made her own. You can't, she said, not even bothering to look round. You can't. Why on earth not, says Carl. Because you've already got a degree. You're a BA, upper second. I've got the certificate. You're not a student. They've got it wrong. There's been a mistake. Uh, she never really understood from that day. And Carl, once he'd finished the training, he came round less and less. It's the disappointment, you see, that he never did more with his life. Oh, I don't know. I'd have thought being a nurse, it was one of the most worthwhile things you could do. Well, it was the other business as well, that he never turned out the way she wanted. You know, settled down with a nice girl, got married, grandchildren. She cuts them out of her magazines, you know. Pictures of these kiddies. Puts them in frames. And sometimes, when she doesn't think I'm watching, I'll see her talk to them last thing. Give them a good night kiss. Sorry, we're not home for another half an hour. Are you the manager? Derek Fenby, yes. And you? I'm Detective Inspector Resnick, CID. Morning, Inspector. What can I do for you? Uh, that business last night, I suppose. All right, Carl Doherty, the, the man who was attacked with reason to believe he might have been in here earlier. Uh, it, it's our Maura you'll want to see. Maura? Maura Tranter. It, it was my night off. She was in charge of the bar. Well, she'll be here in, uh, let me see, she should be here before the hour. If you want to hang on, I could get you a drink. A pint if you want. Uh, no, no, thanks, no. There's other things I can do. I'll be back later. I'll let Maura know you'll be coming in. I work, I just take time. I over my coffee break time. I say a little break. And a quarter of that salami. No, no, the garlic one. Yep, yep, that's it. Uh, you could always give me a slice of that cheesecake today. 
And maybe just a little bit bigger than that, please. Thanks. <clears throat> Espresso, please, full. Ah, Inspector. That business I'm reading, the man who was stabbed, this is for you to sort out? I suppose so. I'm surprised you have time to rest, do shopping, drink coffee. <laughs> I have to eat, Aldo. Besides, I'm working. What's that? That? In there, those bags. One's pickled gherkin, salami and cheese, the other's cheesecake. You can't eat your own food in here. I'm not eating it. That's what I said. Are you more? Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays and some Sunday afternoons. The rest of the week, I'm Leslie. Well, I'm sure there's a good reason. There is. I do stand-up. You know, comedy. This is just my day job, I suppose. Well, you were working here last night. You're never the detective. Uh, and this Tuesdays, Wednesday, Thursdays, Fridays and Saturdays. What happens on Sundays? You go to church? No. Go down to the bell, listen to some jazz, a bit of luck. Derek said that you were fat and 50 and dressed like something out of the art. <laughs> Well, it's no wonder you didn't recognise me then. Right, well, you're not fat. Well, not like some we're getting here. I have a hundred weight of cholesterol on feet. Hey, Maura! Hang on a minute! So, uh, what was it you wanted to know? Carl Doherty. Do you know him? Don't think so. Not by name. Maura, if you can tear yourself away! If you had a picture... Uh, yeah. Oh, that Carl. I know him, then. He was in here from around a quarter to ten till just before closing sitting with this other guy some of the time, I remember. Seen them together before. He comes in quite a bit, too. Peter, Paul, I know, one of those apostolic names. Now, I don't know if they were having a row exactly, but his mate, well, I'm sure he was shouting at him. That would have been just before Carl left. He was angry then, a dealer man. You know, lover's tiff. Is that what they were? Carl and whoever, maybe. Carl, I'd always reckoned he was gay. Well, not camp, nothing like that, just, well, you know, the way he looked at me right through me. The way he looked at men, some men, especially after he'd had a drink or two. And you say this other man? Paul, I'm sure it's Paul. He, he comes in there quite a bit, does he? Evenings, yeah, later on. But sometimes early too, after work, I suppose. Comes in wearing this hangdog expression, an excuse for a suit. Well, now, to me, it wouldn't make it as a floor cloth, but to him, it's a suit. Have you got any idea what sort of work he does? Sorry, no. Nor his other name? Nope. Mm. Well, we'll ask around. Meanwhile, look, that's my number. If you do remember anything else, or if he happens to come in, will you give me a call? Yeah, all right, I will. Maura! They're coming! Don't forget your cheesecake. Likely not politically correct to say shirtlifter when he's in heart and times. Likely not, Graham. Uh, mind you, I'm not sure if knowing that's if we do know makes out clearer or just muddies the water a sight more. Well, once we manage to have a word with this Paul something or other, I'll throw a little light there. Uh, I've managed to negotiate a few extra bodies for 24 hours, put themselves around the shops and offices in the area. See if they can't track him down. Well, the business out at the hospital, then, the doctor Jappy. We're backpedalling any connection, then? Uh, until we get something more definite, Graham, I don't think we can afford to sideline anything. Mm. 
And won't we suspect the doc of the sexual orientation, man? Yeah, it opens up another realm of possibility. How's that? Well, it's not only the silent majority think we should be deploying officers in public laboratories or setting up video cameras to catch a few game men with more than time on their hands. Last thing at night, a dozen pints of lager swilling round. There's blokes enough set to prove their manliness by taking the lorry to their own hands. Queer bashing, you mean? Oh, I'm sure that's what they call it, then. Well, let the media get a whiff of that, and it'll be enough to wipe Princess Di's smile off the front page for a few days. Next thing you know, everyone to the left of the co-op Labour Party will be organising demos and picketing the likes of you and me, hollering for protection for their oppressed brothers. Well, as far as the press are concerned, the primary line of our investigation is still centred around the hospital, right? Until we've anything more definite, let's make sure they don't think any different. All right, uh, let's see how we got on at the hospital. Call Doherty Dick back. Any change in his condition? Afraid not, sir. Drifting in and out of consciousness most of the day. Even if he came to for longer, I doubt I'd be able to speak to him. Not usefully, at any rate. I thought I'd be better off getting back here. Right, Kevin, Lynn, anything to report? Yeah, spoke to close on 30 staff who'd worked with Doherty at different times. Everyone agreed, great bloke, reliable, good sense of humour. Yeah, and, and socially, out of work, I mean. They would have a drink with him once or twice, but not a lot more. It's funny, for all that he's a friendly bloke at work, once he's off the job he seems to keep himself pretty much to himself. I wouldn't have thought you'd have found that odd at all. And what's that mean? All right, all right, all right, let's get back to Doherty. Girlfriends, relationships, anything like that. Not from what I heard. Perhaps he subscribes to safe sex. How's that then? Don't do it at all. <laughs> Something else you'd likely know hey, about. All right, all right. We still have to double check any possible connections between Doherty and Tim Fletcher. Anything we might have overlooked. Now that's our priority for tomorrow. Well, one of them. Okay, come on, let's go. So, uh, Lynn, I like quick word. What's going on between you and Kevin? Oh, it's nothing. Oh, come on, then. All of a sudden, sniping at each other. Where's that come from? It's Kevin and Debbie, sir. What about them? I don't know. They're obviously going through a bad patch, the baby and everything. Hmm. Serious? I don't know. Not really. That's part of the problem. Kevin just drops hints about how fed up he is, angry. That's how he seems a lot of the time. But he doesn't really talk about it. He tried. suppose that's what's getting to him. I start off wanting to discuss things, and because I don't get any response, end up giving him a lecture. At least that's how he sees it. Maybe I should talk to him. At least he'd listen to you. All I'd have to think of is the right thing to say. Yes? I'm sorry, Mr Salt, but it's Sister Minton again. I told her you were in a meeting, but she said it was urgent. It's all right, dear, yeah? Helen, this simply isn't the best time. No? No. But then, Bernard, these days, it never is. I've been busy. You always are. You always used to be. It never used to matter then. Helen, someone might come in. Your secretary, the wonderful Delia. <laughs> I don't think you need worry about her, Bernard. She'll simply assume I'm another hysterical middle-aged woman for you to deal with. I'm sure she's used to them trooping in and out of your office. Besides, she'll never betray your confidence, expose you to anything as unsavoury as gossip. She's probably in love with you herself. Now you're being stupid. Of course I am. Sooner or later, I always am in your eyes. If I weren't, how could you dismiss me so easily? Uh, look, Helen, why don't we do this? 
Just let me check my appointments and we'll make a definite date. Sometime next week. Things will be easier then. We'll go somewhere pleasant, that restaurant out at Plumtree. You liked it there. I hated it. You always said... I lied, Bernard. We both lied. Helen, listen. No, Bernard. You listen. All those snatched moments in country lanes and other people's weekend homes. Conferences where I've come sneaking up to you at two in the morning like some tart. And for what? You've divorced her exactly as you said you would. And now, Bernard, I want my due. What you promised. I want to be able to hold my head up in this hospital. This city. You don't have to marry me, Bernard. I'm not expecting that much. But you will acknowledge me. Us. And Bernard... You will do it soon. You bitch. You sorry, sour bitch. Okay, Dizzy, calm down. Take it easy. Just about giving you up for lost, Charlie. Here you are. I had to talk the bloke at the off-licence into letting me have this scotch on account. I don't have an account. You do now. Yeah. These early dial sessions. Miles, Max Roach. Marvellous stuff, eh, Charlie, eh? <laughs> I'll tell you what. If I'd heard Parker before George Lewis, I'd have given up before I started. A one thing, learning Burgundy Street Blues note by note. Another, trying to cop Bird. You know what that sounded like when I was a kid, Charlie? Music from another world. Another planet. Here. Have a tough up. I met him once. Parker. Oh. Working the base, wasn't I? Liners. Southampton to New York. <laughs> waltzes and fox dots in the first class. As soon as we docked, it'd be a cab to 52nd Street, wherever Bird or Monk were playing. The Three Deuces, the Royal Roost. And just sit there with a single beer, gobsmacked, listening. Yeah. Anyway, there I am the next day, due back on board by half past seven, taking a last look down Broadway. And there is Bird. Yeah. Crossing the street ahead of me. Sax case in his hand. My first reaction, well, can't believe it. But then I'm shaking his hand, telling him I've come all the way from England to hear him play. Every solo he's played the last three nights has been a sodding inspiration. Oh, he gives me this big grin and says, Hey man, lend me 50 bucks. <laughs> I would have given him the clothes off my back. 
Oh, right then, I didn't have five bucks, never mind 50. I can't think of another thing to say, and all I can do, Charlie, and when I think of it to this day, is watch him walk away. Well, by the time he got to the studio, just a couple of blocks away, he'd copped from somebody else. Story is, he scored and shot up in a studio carsy before cutting this. She was here earlier this evening, Charlie. Elaine. Pauline, it's about Carl. We have to talk. Carl? Where is Carl? Is he here? He's in the hospital. Of course he's in the hospital. It's where he works. I know that. Do you think I don't know where our son works? Pauline, listen to me. He's ill. Seriously ill. He may die. Nonsense, William. Whatever you're talking about, there's been a mistake. I took him for a drink once. Not so long after he qualified. It was nowhere special. That pub on the old road out towards Kimberley, where all the stocking factories used to be. And we sat there. Oh, must have been about the best part of an hour. Drinking. Not a lot. Never saying very much. I wanted... Wanted to talk to him. Wanted him to talk to me. I asked him, Carl, is there... Anything you want to say to me, tell me. No, he said. I thought there might have been something you wanted to tell me. No, Dad, I don't think so, he said. You don't... You don't like women very much, son, do you? They're all right, he said, as friends. <laughs> Kevin? Mm. Whatever time is it? It's late. Wherever have you been? Shh. Go back to sleep. Oh, you stink of beer. Mm. Shh. Debbie. We can't go on like this. Charlie? What are you doing sitting here on your own in the dark? Listening. Just listening. Suit yourself. Oh, God. 
Kevin. Kevin. All right, Kevin, you stay there. I'll go. No. It was 1.35 a.m. What I'd like to know is... It's what I was doing till that time. Well, you wouldn't. Take my word for it. If you end up getting into trouble again, I'll... You won't. Here. We had a deal, right? We had a deal. My little Miss Prizzy Paws. Don't speak about your sister that way. When she decamped with Mum and a meal ticket, when they finally couldn't stand all the moves of yours and your everlasting bloody depression. I was sick. <laughs> I know you were sick. You're still sick. Anyway, when they buggered off and left you to it, I stayed, right? I know you stayed, and I'm grateful. And we had this deal. My life, my way, no rules, no regulations, no questions. Right. Right. Good. Now pass us the ketchup. Can it mean to a daydream believer and a homecoming queen? Espresso, Inspector? Ah, oh, please, Aldo. Pass us over the paper, will you? I thought I might find you here, sir. Ah, I'm just catching up with what's going on in the world. And with county's reserves? One espresso. And for the lady? Nothing, thanks. You've not got time for a cappuccino? Better not. I'm trawling the area with the others, tracking down Paul Groves. But I just wanted a minute to ask you something. Yeah? When I was at the hospital yesterday, I popped in to see Tim Fletcher. He told me he's not seen hide nor hair of Karen Adams in days. And you're worried about the girl? I wondered, once we found Groves, if I shouldn't go out there. Make sure she's okay at least. Carew, is that what you're thinking? Might have been back. It's possible, but I don't know. I just feel uneasy, that's all. Okay. We'll get Groves sorted first, then nip out to the girls, take a look. Yeah, be quick, mind. Right, sir. Thanks. Enjoy the rest of your espresso. Yes, sir. Can I be of any help? Very nice carpet, that. 20% reduction per square metre in our special offer, and that includes free fitting. Paul Groves? Yes? Sorry to disappoint you, but it's not your shag bar we're interested in. We're police officers, and we'd like you to come to the station and answer some questions. N- now? I don't think we'll hang on till your lunch break, if you don't mind. In your own time. We'd uh, arranged to meet for a drink. Uh, Carl and me. Half nine it was supposed to be, but he was late. 
He always was, nurses. I suppose it would have been around ten by the time he arrived. We stayed an hour, maybe a bit more, just talking, you know, as much as you can over the music. Two or three drinks, that's all we'd have had. Not what you'd call drinkers, not either of us, really. Not a lot more I can say. Carl, he left a bit before me, five or ten minutes. I finished off my drink, said goodnight to a couple of other people and went straight home. I assumed Carl had done the same. That was till I heard the news. You didn't come forward? No. Why not? Paul, you say Carl left before you. And why was that? He was on an early next day. <laughs> you must know what it's like. Shift work, lates and earlies. Plays havoc with any social life. And that's all there was to it. I mean, Carl, anxious to get to his bed. Yeah. So there's no truth that the two of you had an argument. Who said that? Does it matter? Is it true? No. You sure about that? Of course I'm sure. There was no disagreement between you about Carl leaving when he did. No. Look, I said... No raised voices. No! What do you think, Graham? Aside from the fact that he's lying out of his backside... Aside from that. I can't see him turning into a near-homicidal maniac on the stroke of midnight, if that's what you mean. No, no, me. Let's get his record checked just the same. His brief will be arguing and back out if we're not going to press charges. No bother. I doubt he'll do a runner, and it's not as if we don't know where to find him. Half a mind to pop in, as a matter of fact, see what kind of a price he'll give me on some Wilton the wife wants for the lounge. Yeah? Detective Constable Lynn Kellogg. Karen Adams, is she here? Well, search me. You don't know she's here now. Why don't you come in and take a look? If that's okay. Jesus. Whatever happened, it happened in a hurry. Oh, if she's done a bunk with three weeks' rent down the drain, then mind having to go tarting around to find someone else. She hasn't taken everything. How can you tell? What she's left, I shouldn't think she'd miss. You didn't hear any kind of disturbance up here, yesterday or the day before? No, sorry. Well, can you remember the last time you saw her? Uh, might have been Wednesday. No, no, Thursday. No, no, hang on, hang on a minute, uh, Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday. You do know what day it is today? Um... Yes? Oh, crap. Grouchy. Not quite as virgin white as he'd have us believe. Well, go on. Two and a bit years back, he was charged with gross indecency, got lowered to behaviour likely to alarm or distress, then dropped altogether. Nine months after that, he had a warning for remaining in the public lavatory longer than was reasonable for the purpose. Begs a question, doesn't it, like what the purpose was? We let him go. An hour since. Want me to send the gallery all him in again? No. Not yet, Graham. I'll talk to him myself first. Good run. Uh, not bad, yes. Two miles, three? 
Four. Twenty minutes? Eighteen. Not bad. Look, I don't imagine this is a social call, nor that you just happen to be here by chance, but if it's all the same to you, I'd like to go in and get a shower. Little sweat never hurt. That depends, doesn't it? There's sweat and sweat, after all. When did you last see Karen Adams? Oh, you don't give up, do you? When did you last see her? Look, you know as well as I. I'm not allowed to see her anymore. I was warned off, remember? And you always do what you're told? Have you seen her? No. Spoken to her? No. There's been no contact? Look. Yes? I presume you've got a good reason for all of this. Karen's gone missing. Oh, well, that's it then. Karen goes walkabout, answers simple. Ian Carew, male chauvinist pig, down to me. Got to be. Huh. Never mind bothering with any other more rational explanation. Such as? Why ask me? That's your job. There must be hundreds of them. Oh, but no, you just like this one. And why should I do that? I'm sorry, but I think you're going to have to work that one out for yourself. As for me, I'm going inside to take that shower. If you want to come with me, scrub my back, apply the talc, maybe take a quick squint in the cellar while you're about it, be my guest. Otherwise, sod off. Please. Should Karen make contact with you in any way, please notify me at the station. I needn't hold you up any longer. Uh, Sure about the back? Yeah, I've been reading your file, Paul. Of course. I mean, it was all a while ago, and anyway, what you are, whatever your sexual preferences, it doesn't matter one straw. <laughs> then why are you Except, call- except insofar as it might be relevant to this inquiry. I don't see now, how... come on, Paul. I'm not treating you like a fool. Does it really make a difference whether Carl and I were involved? It might. I met him in the showcase late afternoon. It was my day off, and I suppose it was Carl's too. We were nearly empty. Just the two of us in an old deer away to sandwiches and fell asleep, snored away through all the best bits of Philadelphia. Carl spoke to me on the way out. Something about the film, the ending, it's very emotional. I think he needed to talk to someone. Anyway, we were both heading back into town and... Ended up eating pizza and seeing who could load up the biggest plate at the salad bar. After that, we met up most weeks. See a film, get something to eat, a drink. Chat about this and that, his work, mine. <laughs> well, mostly his. Not an awful lot you can say about carpets. I went back to his place a couple of times. All these photos around the walls from when he was in the States. California. Posters, too. And books. I never knew anyone had so many books. More than any normal person would read in a lifetime. He never came back to mine. I'd ask him time after time. We always had some excuse. I touched him once. Just once, and you'd have thought it stuck a knife in him. I miss him. I miss him. 
It's okay, Paul. It's okay. I sat there a while afterwards listening to this band, the Burton Youth Band. As much out of sympathy as anything else. I mean, they weren't bad. It wasn't that. It just didn't have much of a crowd. Anyway, there were these two youngsters stuck away to one side, a boy and a girl. Couldn't have been much more than 11, 12. Anyhow, I, I watched them, the pair of them. Him with his spectacles and cowlicked hair and the girl with these skinny legs, you know. Patched purple from the wind. And fingering the valves of their cornets and counting the bars, waiting their turn. And just as they were about to play, the wind whipped the music off the stands. That were it. Chance gone. <coughs> Groves, you don't think... Oh, uh, that he caused those injuries to Doherty, no. No, I don't think he's got it in him, thank the Lord. But we'll keep his file handy, just in case I'm wrong. Right. Oh, and Graham, the minute Lynn shows her face, I want her in here. Whatever were you thinking about? In going after Carew without rhyme or reason? I didn't go after him. All I did was ask him a few pertinent questions. To say nothing of denying him access to his own property, causing him actual physical discomfort, and then accusing him of being involved in the disappearance of Karen Adams. That's ridiculous. Yeah, isn't it? Here. Perhaps you'd like to read the second of two faxes I had from his solicitor. Copies to the chief superintendent of CID and the chief constable designate. Well? Well, he's exaggerating. Blowing it up out of all proportion. I don't think this That's is... That's just it, Lynn. You didn't think... Sir? You were so anxious to go after Carew, you omitted to follow a few more obvious lines of inquiry. Such as, sir? Such as getting in contact with Karen's personal tutor at the university. Karen went to see her two days ago, asking for a couple of weeks out to get over what had happened. In the circumstances, the tutor was happy to agree. She's gone to stay with her parents. Devon. Here. Perhaps you'd like to check it out. Thank you, sir. Bernard. Helen! Good God, woman, what do you think you're playing at? I'm not playing, I've told you. While you were still tied down, it was different. I could understand. But now you've got your precious freedom. I want an undertaking. Our relationship out in the open. What are you doing? What is it? <laughs> Bernard, stop it! Stop it! I'm, I'm sorry. Believe me, I'm sorry. It's all right, Helen. It doesn't matter. In fact, I ought to thank you. 
You've made it easier for me to say what I have to say. You see, you're right. I have got my freedom, and there's no way in which I'm prepared to let that be threatened again, and certainly not by you. If you could only see how crimped and pathetic you look standing there. It's over. I don't want to speak to you again. Thank you, Bernard. I know how difficult it is for you to be honest. But you know it isn't finished. Not quite. You know what I shall do. Don't threaten me, Helen. I warn you, it's not a wise thing to do. Good night, Bernard. Sleep well. Remember what I've said. No. No, I'm not. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Elaine. No, no, I thought he was. But it seems he's not. <laughs> yeah, I'll... Yeah, sure, I'll tell him. As soon as he comes in. Well? Says you're an awful liar, Charlie. Always was. It's Helen. What now? I thought you should know, Bernard. I've just one more letter to write. The Chief Administrator at the hospital, the Royal College of Surgeons, your senior registrar, the BMA, all done. The last one's for your ex-wife. I thought it was only fair. I'm going to finish this and then walk them to the post. Sleep well, Bernard. Think about me. Now you say that it's over You want to forgive and forget 
One day you'll remember I told you this ain't over yet. In episode two of Cutting Edge, dramatised from his own novel by John Harvey, Tom Georgeson played Charlie Resnick, Sean Baker, Millington, Kate Eaton, Lynn, Paul Baisley, Dipak, and Ben Porter, Kevin. Dennis Hawthorne played Mr. Salt, Nicholas Bolton, Carew, John Sim, Dr. Fletcher, James Taylor, William, and Zulema Dean, Pauline. Don McCorkindale played Silver, Peter Kenny, Groves, George Parsons, Arthur, Philip Weaver, Calvin, and Gillian Bevan, Sarah. Alice Arnold played Helen, Colleen Prendergast, Debbie, Stella Duffy, Maura, John Hartley, Fenby, Roger May, Student, and Anne Beach, Delia. The Cutting Edge song was written by Liz Simcock, played by Trevor Watkiss, and sung by Gillian Bevan. The director was David Hunter. <laughs>